All right, welcome, welcome uh, to another episode given to you by the Crew Podcast. My name is Carter Fillion, and today I just kind of want to be going over um, some NFT crypto terminology. Um, for this episode, kind of want to uh, focus on the NFT terminology, and then in um, the next episode, I'll probably have a crypto terminology one just to kind of clear up a lot of like there's some weird terminology out there and just kind of clear up the clear up the fog kind of wanted to make a podcast episode explaining it um just kind of want to start off with a stat as well um so as of 2021 3.9 percent or about 300 million people were invested into crypto throughout the world um so around like 7 billion only 3.9 percent of that 7 billion were invested into crypto and in recent reports it showed that 360,000 people own every single available NFT. And so like, I think even that 360,000 is less than 1% of the 300 million people who are into crypto. And although a lot of people that are into crypto do know about NFTs, only 360,000 people actually own the NFTs on, on the market. And so it's just kind of an interesting interesting stat shows how early we truly are in this space um just with crypto being really early and nfts especially being really early um the mass market adoption hasn't quite came yet and so that's kind of one of the main reasons we wanted to or that i wanted to do this podcast is to just kind of go over a little bit of the terminology um, and kind of clear up a lot of the confusion that people have with that um but to start it off, um, there's a couple NFT terms that just kind of make things like easier when you know the actual definition. And there's some that are a little obvious, but just thought it'd be good to kind of go over all of them. Um, so number one, you kind of want to go over diamond hands. I think that's a pretty common one throughout crypto, even in the stock market. Um, when like the Wall Street memes were going around and things like that. But diamond's hand is one of the most popular slang terms in the world of crypto and NFTs. Um, it's kind of become its own meme, you know, own emoji, um, and even been like a theme for a lot of NFT projects. But a person with diamond's hand, diamond hands is a person who holds onto an asset through like the price volatility and negative news, good news, poor market sentiment, and whatever kind of like bad mouth that there is. Um, but so there, and so there can be a lot, but the people that have diamond hands are the ones that really just hold on to it and like go through the ups and the downs um, in hope of obviously going up. But that one's just kind of a main, like pretty common one throughout the crypto and NFT community. So that'd be a good one to start off with. Um, but even even one that's pretty similar as well, just like a 10K project. Um, a 10K project is just an NFT collection that consists of 10,000 avatars. Um, this NFT collection type was kind of pioneered by the CryptoPunks when they came out in 2017. And many, many, many projects have followed suit since then um, and just gone with 9,999 9, or 10,000 um, NFTs. Um, and I guess the avatars within the collection, they aren't, they're not all the same, but like the CryptoPunks, the Board Ape Yacht Club, they're all kind of like similar. 
um, in like the art design, I guess you could say. And they have like different, like a lot of them have like the same characteristics, but different features. Um, and that's kind of why rarity and things like that come into play as well. But another term that I'd like to get into um, is just the term airdrop. And so when you receive an airdrop, you automatically get a certain amount of a specific cryptocurrency or an NFT airdropped into your wallet for free. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of been pretty common practice in general for crypto. And it's kind of being more and more popular for NFTs. Like I know they did an airdrop where if you had spent over a certain amount on gas, you could go and like connect your wallet and then claim a bunch of free tokens. And they do like airdrops for people who are holding an NFT. Like if you bought like the first series of an NFT, it makes you eligible for airdrops down the road when the project makes more NFTs or when they're promoting another NFT. I think like Gary V does that for his holders. They just because they're holding a V friend means that they can be eligible for like when people come to the V friends and say like, Hey, like we have this big project, we'll give you 500, um, of our nfts you disperse them throughout your community and just kind of like build engagement that way um but it kind of like just is a way to reward the holders and the early adopters with the new projects or new series of things coming out but so just to kind of go over airdrop is just when you can automatically receive either a cryptocurrency or an nft into your wallet for free um, and that is rewarded through like holding one of the assets that the project already has. Um, and another another term I'd like to go into is aping into something. Um, it's not affiliated with any of the ape collections that you see out there in the NFT world, like the Board Ape Yacht Club or any other projects that are like that have apes or anything like that. But to ape into something just kind of means to like you're buying into something irresponsibly or out of FOMO, like fear of missing out, or like you haven't really done too much due diligence about it. Like a lot of people ape into something with like no knowledge of what it is or what the contract is saying. They just kind of like jump into it because they don't want to miss out on something. Um, and even like sometimes people ape into something when there's too much money relative to their account size. And so it kind of, like it has a lot of different meanings, but like a lot of a lot of people like to ape into the like hype train ones, like the pump and dump schemes. Um, but that's kind of where it gets a little sketchy because you don't want to you don't want to jump into something out of FOMO and then do a little research about it and realize that it really is just a pump and dump. And so that's why it's always good to do your own due diligence and not get caught up in that in that twist. Um, an avatar project is the next term that we'll get into. And it's basically the same thing as a 10K, like a 10,000 um, project, but it's like just a collection of a few thousand or whatever number that the owners decide to do. And it's just kind of like a similar to like a PFP, a profile picture project, um, but they just like release these few thousand NFTs for people to buy, things like that. But Another term that we'll get into is it's just burn. So to burn an NFT essentially means to destroy it. And so like if a collection was doing 10,000 NFTs, for instance, but only 5,000 of those NFTs are sold in the collection, 
um, that would leave 5,000 like still available. So the team may decide to like burn the remaining 5,000. Um, other projects let their owners burn two NFTs to receive a new and more rare NFT, similarly to how the Board Ape Yacht Club did it with, they had like the Board Ape and then they had like the mutant serums. So you could have, if you had a Board Ape and a mutant serum, you could like burn both of those, ape, like the Ape and the mutant serum together. And then you'd get a mutant ape, um, which does make them more rare. And so like, there's definitely many different ways they can do this. Um, and I know with like certain cryptocurrencies as they're um, used, like they can also be burned, but we'll get into that into another episode. Um, another term that I want to get into is the floor or floor price of a project. Um, and it's simply the lowest price at which you can buy an NFT from that project on the secondary market. So like on OpenSea, if you look, um, like click on a collection, it'll show you like how many are in it, how many owners there are, and then it'll show you the floor price. And the floor price price is simply just like the lowest cost an NFT is listed within that project. Um, so if you were going to get into a project and the floor price was like, half of an ethereum that means that like out of all 10,000 of those nfts the lowest price one is half of an ethereum um, and so the floor price is kind of just a popular way um, to track the project's performance over time um, relative to others in the space um, but that's also how a lot of people keep track of like how much their asset is worth and how like if you bought it at a quarter of an ethereum and then it the floor price for that project is now half of an Ethereum. Essentially, you could sell it for half of an Ethereum. Um, and obviously, there's rarity and different things that come into play there. But floor price is just kind of simply the lowest price an NFT is selling from that collection. So the DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And when you own um, an NFT from a project like the a head DAO, I guess you could say, is you You and all the other owners have voting rights and control over the future actions and overall direction of the project. Um, and so many NFT projects are setting up similar structures to become more community-driven and secure the ongoing support because as they like come out, like all NFT projects are pretty community-driven, but um, the DAO helps like if there is actual community voting for what the future of the project looks like, that gives a lot of people um, interest in getting in on that because they feel like they have somewhat of a control over it rather than just being at the mercy of the creators. And just in the NFT space, it's a huge, huge benefit to like be community driven. And so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that kind of um, project coming out, I guess you could say. But another term I'd like to go over is FUD, F-U-D. It stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, the term is used in crypto and NFTs alike to describe negative news stories or tweets or Discord messages or content, just like kind of anything negative like that um, that are either inaccurate or completely false. And so you'll often see people point to FUD um, as the reason behind large price drops in cryptocurrencies or NFTs. And so if you kind of like 
like for example, when Bitcoin crashed and everyone was saying how it was like going to go to zero because of this and how the government was going to like regulate it, which was going to cause the price to shoot down to this. That's just a lot of FUD. Like there's no actual like evidence. Like it's just like inaccurate. Um, but it just kind of creates that fear, uncertainty and doubt in the holders. And so they hurry and dump their assets, whether it be in crypto or NFTs. But that's why you have to be careful and get your information from like trustworthy sources. Um, metadata is a good one to talk about. Um, and I'll kind of try and go with a non-technical, very simplified explanation here. The metadata of an NFT is essentially all the necessary and unique data making the NFT exactly what it is. Um, and kind of a, I don't know, kind of an easy way to go about it, I guess, is like, it's, I, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but the metadata defines how a piece of art or collectible looks. That's why you'll always, you'll sometimes have to refresh the metadata on OpenSea before you can see how your newly minted NFT looks. Um, so for example, I recently minted a Galaxy Warriors NFT, but they, throughout the minting process, they didn't show anyone what they got because they didn't want anyone to like see if they, if there was already a rare one bot or this, that, and another thing. And so they waited till all of them were uh, minted. And then they still waited like three more days after that and like had like a big like release party, a Twitter space, Discord hangout, whatever. And then they like finally released it, but um, I couldn't see mine for a while. And I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. And then I had to go into my MetaMask, refresh the metadata on OpenSea so that the, it was basically so that my Galaxy Warrior, like I basically was hitting refresh on that. And so as soon as I hit refresh, it updated it. And then pulled the picture of the new Galaxy Warrior into where like the screen was. And then I could see what which one, which Galaxy Warrior I received. And so it's kind of a fun way um, to release projects like that. Because once they're all out there, then when it's refreshed, people can see it. Um, and it's kind of like a fun thing to do. I know the Galaxy Warriors did that. Um, Shaq Gives Back NFT did that. So it's a pretty common, pretty common thing for people to do um and i guess kind of while we're talking about the blockchain we can go right into gas um and so gas is kind of the price for making a transaction on a blockchain and it's like in a way well like it's almost like when you're you're using the blockchain and so you have to like pay a gas fee and it's like in everyday life too you like try and go somewhere when it's busy you're going to run into traffic and it's going to take longer, which technically makes you use more gas in your car. Um, and it's similar with the blockchain as well. If, it, if the like blockchain is super busy, it's going to require more gas to get your transaction pushed through. But if you're driving down the road in the middle of the night when no one's out, you can go as fast as you want. It's not as expensive. Kind of the same um, with the blockchain. When you're traveling, when no one's like using the blockchain, it's going to be cheaper on gas fees. Um, but when buying NFTs on a blockchain like Solana or like Pulse Chain is going to be coming out soon, like the gas is like super minimal, if not like pennies on the dollar and Ethereum, however, like a $50 gas fee, like anywhere between like 40 and $75 is about the lowest you can hope for. 
Um, but it all depends on the activity, like I was saying. So low activity, low fees, high activity, high fees, which kind of leads into a little bit of the next term that we were going to go over is the gas war. Uh, like that's a pretty common, pretty common thing in the NFT space, especially when these big projects get released and things like that. But these are common occurrence on the Ethereum network and somewhat of a rite of passage for newcomers. When a, like, um, when a big project launches, um, there's usually about like, I mean, if there's 10,000 of these NFTs available and it, it's like a big project that has a lot of hype behind it, you're going to be getting probably 10 to 15 times the amount of NFTs like for people. So if you have like anywhere from 100 to 200,000 people trying to fight for these 10,000 NFTs, you need to increase the gas fee um, just because people are going to be like hopping in on it and they kind of like outbid others for the transaction to go through. Um, and so that's kind of what the what a gas war is. It's it's kind of unfortunate how it happens, but I mean, it's just kind of all part of the part of the part of the deal, I guess you could say. Um, another term that I'd like to go into is minting. And so minting uh, an NFT is basically the same as like when they mint coins in like modern day currency and things like that. It almost like they take from this precious metal and then mint a dime or whatever. And it's kind of similar with NFTs. So if you're minting it on the Ethereum blockchain, it's taking Ethereum and like minting an NFT, which is technically an ERC 721 or 720, depending on what, like, anyways, depending on the smart contract. But so what you're basically doing is like taking from Ethereum and like, putting this NFT on the blockchain. Um, but it, so it just kind of creates that NFT on the Ethereum blockchain. So you're minting it onto the blockchain. And um, the next term that I would like to get into is generative art. Um, generative art deserves kind of a, a lot more attention than like I'm going to be able to give it here. Um, and there's plenty of good material available on this topic. But it's arguably one of the key innovations in the world of digital art and collectibles um, in the recent years anyways. And it's used to create all of the major collections like Board Ape Yacht Club, like Cool Cats NFT, like Crypto Mori's, um, and just kind of like a lot of those projects that they're like uh, an ape or uh, even like the Alien Friends one. Like they're all like the same base but they just have like different characteristics like an eye patch, sunglasses, a cigar in their mouth, a hoodie, a headband, a sweater, a scarf, things like that. And so they kind of like build like they, for example, let's go with the alien friends. They like draw this alien and then they have like eight different eyes and four different mouth options and the X amount of accessories. And so all that they have to do is draw these in separate layers and then there's like a computer program that takes the different types and like runs them through a like computer program that makes 10,000 of these NFTs, but they're all unique with individual traits. Um, and all the traits are handmade, obviously just drawn just as the people. 
but each NFT is automatically created by a computer with a random combination of all the available traits out there. And so that, that's why like the part of the process is called generative art. Cause like, yes, it is the art, but it's all generated by the computer. It's not like handmade. Some probably are out there, but typically they just like draw the different traits, characteristics, accessories, things like that, background color. And then the computer kind of creates these 10,000 different ones based on those um, original NFTs. But hopefully I didn't make that too confusing. Um, another term that I'd like to get into is um, the, it's just MM. It's just shorthand version for MetaMask. It's the most popular NFT wallet in the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, a lot of people use it. It's been around. Um, it's really secure. You hold the private keys. And so that's why a lot of people do like it. Um, and another like shorthanded version of a word would be OS. It just stands for OpenSea. Um, the leading NFT marketplace on the Ethereum network. And there are a lot of like competing marketplaces coming on into the NFT space. Um, I think, oh, and I can't remember the name now, but I think it's like super rare or something like that. I can't remember, but it's almost like rewarding NFT traders with um, a cryptocurrency. So if you like sold a board ape on, this new marketplace you would be getting this much like for easy like example purposes let's say like you sell one board ape you get a thousand of these cryptocurrencies um and when you buy the board ape you get 600 of this cryptocurrency and so it's like kind of rewarding people for using that marketplace by giving them a cryptocurrency that they can either hold on to sell off or stake out for a long period of time and so it's kind of cool to see how the different marketplaces are innovating and kind of pivoting to create a better product for the users, essentially. Um, and going back to the diamond hands, let's uh, do the polar opposite of diamond hands, which is called paper hands. Paper hands is basically the exact opposite of diamond hands, and it is another term that isn't NFT specific, so to say, but it's often used in the space um, and in crypto and stocks and things like that. But it refers to when someone who sells something, um, either an NFT, a stock or a cryptocurrency at which like the perceived value by others is too low of a price. And so it's almost like, like for example, you can use um, diamond hands or paper hands as a verb in a sentence as well. You can say like, oh, Becky diamond handed diamond hands Bitcoin through this like last bear cycle and is still holding on even though she's down money. And you can also say like, oh, Becky just paper handed a board ape yacht club for 60 Ethereum when now that same board ape just sold for 90 Ethereum. And so it's almost like when people buy something at a high, at a high price and then it starts to dip down a little bit and instead of like having diamond hands and holding on to that until the price goes back up, they get scared that it's going to go to zero and so they hurry and sell out even though they are losing uh, money there. And so it is a little, a little, I don't know, it's like hard to resonate with people because it's like if you do your own research about it, you should, you'd be buying into a project that you believe in and so you would always want to hold on to it with diamond hands 
But if you're just buying and trading, trying to make a quick buck, that's kind of where the paper hands comes in into play. Um, but another term that I'd like to go over is a PFP project. Um, it just kind of stands for profile picture uh, project. And it's kind of the third and final like term for something that we've kind of already covered talking about like the 10 K projects and the avatar projects. It's kind of like the third way to put it, I guess you could say. Um, but it's essentially the same exact thing as both a 10 K and an avatar project. It's just something that people could use as their profile picture on Twitter. And it's just like an easier way to describe it. Like I think this is probably like the most commonly used like term as far as explaining it to people. Like, oh yeah, they just came out with a new PFP project. It's called Alien Friends. Looks pretty cool. Like, anyways, that's kind of how people use it. But it's often used on Twitter and Discord um, and other various social media sites and things like that. Um, another term that I would say is pretty easy to kind of understand would be reveal. Like, it's pretty self-explanatory there. Like, the word is like it's just revealing kind of goes back to that metadata when you have to like go in and refresh the metadata and then, and then it reveals it to you like once the collection sells out and things like that um, another term that i'd like to talk about is the rug pull a rug pull is something i hope that none of you ever experience but it's essentially a scam where the people behind the project like just really like they just disappear and then it like they disappear immediately after launch, have nothing to say, no customer service. You might get an actual NFT, you might not for what you paid, but it's most likely worthless because they simply paid someone on Fiverr to draw all these things, did a generative art collection, pumped the pumped the project up, and then sold out everything that they had. Um, but it's even used for like slaying like just normal sentences too like oh i got rug pulled or simply like i got rugged or even like i've heard people in like twitter spaces like someone will like cut out with their connection they're like oh i think they got rugged and so like i don't know there's kind of a lot of and that that's one way to like spread fud as well within the community is like saying that it's a rug pull or a rug or anything like that but you definitely never want to get it on a rug pull. You always want to watch those magic carpet rides. But um, uh, snapshot is the next word that I kind of want to go into. And so it kind of goes back to like airdrop um, mentioned earlier. And it kind of talks about how, well, for example, going back to that Galaxy Warrior example, I had a Galaxy Egg and they said, oh, anyone that has a Galaxy Egg gets an early access, early mint, like, price for the galaxy warrior and so if you own a galaxy egg and we do a snapshot of the blockchain at this time so anyone that owns a galaxy egg at that time will have early access to mint a galaxy warrior and so like i was holding my galaxy egg they snapshotted the blockchain saw everyone that had a galaxy egg and then they only those wallets were allowed to mint those galaxy warriors early before the public sale and so it kind of like almost takes a screenshot of the blockchain sees who's owning it and then that's how the people can be rewarded um and then another term the floor sweep 
So sweeping is another commonly uttered term because of the people's interest in the project's floor. So if someone saw that the floor was like super, super low, like to sweep the floor means to buy up a large number of the cheapest NFTs in a collection, kind of on the secondary market. So if like there was a ton of people that had paper hands on something and then like you just came in with like a ton of Ethereum, just bought up all the cheap ones. And then that would like kind of just like you'd be sweeping the floor taking all the ones off the bottom um, and teams sometimes do this or are asked by the community to do this for their own project. Other times it may be done by an individual, but when an individual does it, they kind of are referred to as a whale and a whale is basically someone with a lot of money either available to invest or already invested in a high value NFT or someone that like sweeps the floor and has a ton or someone with like over a thousand Ethereum or a bunch of board apes or a bunch of crypto punks or whatever in just tons of tons of different ways but um a couple of abbreviations or intentional misspellings that i wanted to go over as well um so gm gm it stands for like good morning and it's just kind of like a way to say like hey like what's up good morning everyone have a good day and then gn means good night and H-O-D-L, HODL, means it's like a, I'm holding, like I'm diamond handsing, hold on for dear life. Like there's a bunch of different meanings for that. But like when you HODL something, you're basically holding through the ups and the downs. LFG means let's effing go. It's pretty self-explanatory. Moon means like we're going to the moon. Um, Sir, S-E-R, is just kind of like an intentionally misspelled, kind of ironic, sarcastic way to say like, okay, sir. And then when is another just misspelled W-E-N just means when, um, but it's just kind of misspelled for like funny terms like when moon and when mint and things like that. Um, There's kind of a lot of different like terms out there, like another one, um, abbreviation, and it's uh, W-A-G-M-I, WAGMI or however you want to say it, but it stands for we are all going to make it. Um, and another thing people use is GMI, which is like, you, sir, are going to make it. Um, and so it's just kind of like just a way to like spread positivity when there's a lot of FUD going out in the community. Um, so instead of saying like, like, oh, like rug pull, like rug incoming or something like that, they just say like, oh, we're all going to make it. Like just kind of like spreading the positivity just trying to like keep people motivated and things like that. Um, sorry, I can't, I'm scrolling through my list here, seeing if there was any other ones that we wanted to talk about. But I mean, a lot of these NFT terms that, I don't know, it's kind of, a lot of them are a little bit self-explanatory, but a lot of them are like, what is he, what even is that? You know, it doesn't even make sense. And so I think that's kind of why a lot of people are, like confused especially when they first get on twitter it's like what the heck is w-a-g-m-i like that doesn't even make sense um another one would be like d-y-o-r that just stands for do your own research and so it kind of goes back to that whole like doing your own due diligence don't buy out of fomo fomo f-o-m-o fear of missing out like don't don't do that like everyone like you got to do your own research so that you're not getting screwed over and things like that um we talked about minting 
Um, I think I mentioned the moon. I'll do it again anyways, just to be sure. But moon, like to moon is like a verb. It means to hit that like huge valuation, like going to the moon of an NFT that everyone like really hopes for um, or with like their 34 ETH floor board apes, definitely moon. And I think they're even higher than that now. I don't even know what they're at. Um, but like, I don't know. So there's kind of a lot of different meanings that like all these different words can have, which is like pretty cool. Um, PFP also can mean picture for proof, but usually like it means like profile picture, like the profile picture project that we talked about previously. Um, and pre-reveal, um, is like, it's like during a huge NFT drop and it kind of like, they give like little sneak peeks into what it could be, or like they drop a couple or drop like, I don't know, they do this on purpose to kind of create hype behind it. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at this. Um, but a pre-sale for an NFT, that's a good one to go over as well. Uh, pre-sale is part of a primary sale, generally a time set aside for those people that like got those like pre-sale tickets, kind of what we talked about with the Galaxy Eggs, Galaxy Warrior after a snapshot. And so the people that are rewarded and able to do the pre-sale have usually 24 to 48 hours to do that. So that, and that's just so that the project kind of gives people time to like find the cheapest gas. And so that you don't have to like get into one of those gas wars like we talked about. Um, but the prime primary sale or public sale is just like after the pre-sale, it gives everyone an opportunity to mint um, an NFT. And then there's the secondary sales like we talked about um, on OpenSea and different marketplaces like that. Another good term that we could go over is roadmap. Um, and the roadmap has like essentially became an element of the NFT community. It kind of is almost like a business model for these various NFT projects, but it kind of shows like at 10% of the sales out there, we're going to do this at 20%. We're going to give this much back to the community at 30%. We're going to do a giveaway and then it like goes all the way down and then 70% of the primary sale will go to this charity or be given back to the people holding the NFT or things like that. And so it's basically no more than like a empty promise, so to say. Like I'm not saying that projects don't follow their roadmap, but it's basically like a way, it's like a pitch. Like, hey, this is our project. This is what we're going to do with our project you should believe us because we are being legit type of a thing. Um, smart contract, I guess I didn't ever go over that, but the smart, a smart contract is, a, is the code that lives on the blockchain that governs the NFT sale. And so allowing for certain functionality such as minting and like sending it to another person or like within the smart contract of an NFT, it can only be like, oh, you can only mint one of these NFTs it per wallet or four of these NFTs per wallet, just so someone doesn't come in and just buy up the supply. Um, a utility token. Some NFTs are like a lot more than just like a JPEG. It kind of like some have utility, um, like such as like digital access within a discord. They're allowed to be in this chat instead of the general one, or even in real life events, such as like Gary V's V friends. 
they're going to be allowed to be able to come to his V conference for 2022, 2023, and 2024, as long as they're holding one of the V friends. Um, and also like the Board Ape Yacht Club, they'll be allowing all Board Ape holders to be able to go on a yacht party. And so it's kind of kind of really sweet to see the different utilities that people are using within the NFT community. Um, there's a lot of new innovations that people are using, and it's going to be interesting to see how that mass market kind of adopts everything once like there's more people in the space. But um, another... I don't know if I talked about whitelisting. I should I should have kept these in order, but um, a whitelist is a group of wallet addresses to which they are access. They're able to access the presale, and so like going back to that Galaxy Eggs, Galaxy Warrior story that I explained earlier. Like I got whitelisted to be a part of the presale for the Galaxy Warrior since I was holding a Galaxy Egg when they snapshotted the blockchain. And so it's kind of cool to see how projects like whitelist, because sometimes they can do it like, oh, like if you follow us and our two creators accounts, retweet this, tag three friends, you'll be whitelisted or something like that. And it can get a little out of hand for sure, um, just because like, I don't know, some make people jump through all sorts of loops and bounds just to be whitelisted into a project. And so it can get a little, little, uh, sus i guess you could say but there's also a lot of memes going out that are like oh like all that i had to do to get whitelisted for this project was like cut off my left arm or something like that a lot of jokes going around the community um and then a one of one nft is just a unique piece of art that can stand alone there's no copies of it and things like that and there can be one of one 10k like projects because technically there's not one that's specifically like it because it has like a different accessory or a different attribute or things like that. And so there is a lot of those projects where they kind of like sneak around the one of one. But I mean, there is a lot of very amazing one like one of one um, NFTs out there. Um, I think another um, cool thing that I've seen within the Galaxy Eggs community i'm not like sitting here trying to like pump them up or anything but they have 10k resolution art and so it's just like extremely high definition um 3d art and so it's kind of cool because i think a lot of projects are going to be transferring into that especially as the metaverse becomes a bigger thing making nfts vr accessible and things like that and so it'll be it'll be cool to see how like video games transition into that and so when you're buying a Fortnite skin you're getting it as an nft and not just as a Fortnite skin that you can only buy and then never resell or get any kind of money back so it's i don't know definitely an innovative time for nfts crypto in general and so it's going to be going to be super interesting to kind of see how all that plays out um but yeah i think that kind of does it for today's today's episode i hope that this nft terminology kind of shed some light on some rather um, confusing terms, I guess you could say. Um, I mean, and all the information that like I found was like on Twitter, Discord, and I even like looked up things just on Google, YouTube, when I was first learning how to like understand the crypto NFT terminology and just what people were like really saying. 
So like all the information's out there. You just have to like go find it and find like almost like reliable sources. And like the best way to do that that I've found is if you look something up in an article, you read it and you're like, oh, that makes sense. It's always good to look up a second one just to make sure that they line up because you never know who's posting these articles or podcasts or things like that. And so you want to make sure that you're getting the best information that you can so that going forward, like if someone asks you for help, you can kind of give them like that desired help. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope all this kind of makes sense and isn't like too much information. Um, but yeah, thanks again for listening to this podcast and I'll be sure to come out with a crypto terminology podcast here soon. Um, just to kind of give another set of terminology that's more specific to crypto. I think there'll be a lot of similarities in between, like with like the burning and the airdropping and like there's just there'll be a lot of similarities between the two, but there will also be some unique terms that are specific to um, crypto. And so I hope you guys can gain a lot of knowledge from that as well. But thanks again for listening. I really appreciate all the love and support in this podcast, and I hope you all have a great day. All right, bye.